0: Welcome to This Stroke Journey Podcast, brought to you by the National Stroke Education Center at the University of Cincinnati. Your premier source for comprehensive diagnostic and therapeutic stroke education from the pre-hospital and emergency settings through the ICU and rehabilitation. Please welcome today's host, Dr. William Knight.
1: Hello, my name is Bill Knight, coming to you from the University of Cincinnati on behalf of the National Stroke Education Center. Today, I am joined by two of my friends and partners, Dr. Charlie Kircher and Dr. Chris Richards, to discuss Stroke Center designations. I have a unique collection of partners here today in that Charlie is the co-director of our UC Stroke team, which serves somewhere in in the order of 25, 26 different hospitals in the greater Cincinnati region. And Chris is the medical director of our mobile stroke unit, as well as a EMS trained physician, both of which these stroke designations have impact. On top of it, all three of us are stroke physicians that work both as stroke consultants and emergency physicians. So, Charlie, as the director of the team, let me start with you. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts about these stroke center designations. They're a big business. There's commissions that go into it and uh, reviews that go into it. But are they more than that for patient care? What is the impact on the overall patient care and outcomes?
2: You know, thanks for that question, Bill. And I want to start by clarifying that I'm only on the receiving end of these evaluations, and so I I do not mean to encourage them. But I think if you look at all three levels, if we were to split it out, you know, the designation of a site as a comprehensive stroke center for that site is a is a big deal because it means that in order to achieve that designation, you've got to marshal a lot of resources to provide 24-7 care for the sickest stroke patients. Um, I think if you go down the list to, you know, a primary stroke center and a community hospital is also saying, look, we aim to care for stroke patients the best that we can. We form a relationship with a comprehensive center. But honestly, I think the biggest impact is in the rural, small rural hospitals. Labeling yourself as an acute stroke-ready hospital you know, means that you're prepared to be the tip of the spear in our in our stroke continuum of care. And it requires a hospital, pretty low volume, to have targets for time metrics, to have continuing education on stroke treatment, lytics, and have a relationship with a stroke center. So I think it serves as a backbone to really knit a network of care together. And I can tell you, you know, the the rural hospitals we see that are acute stroke ready hospitals are very interested in achieving the best possible outcomes for their patients, because we know there's already a rural and urban health disparity when it comes to stroke care. And anything we can do to drill that down and get patient care advanced out there and arrange for expeditious transfer for sick patients, I think is beneficial. So I think they serve that role well. I I definitely think that we have seen overall improved
1: systems, which has translated to good patient outcome in terms of the faster you can both identify and treat does come under the umbrella of being either a comprehensive primary or a stroke-ready type hospital. Pivoting a little bit on that, the the impact, I think, um, to you, Chris, as some of the designations um, have led to um, legislations in various states about triage on behalf of uh, emergency medicine services on EMS? Where do the paramedics take somebody that they suspect having a stroke has had real impact based on these designations um, from the Joint Commission? What's your experience and, and take on that from the EMS side?
0: Ultimately this discussion is kind of wrapped up into a mantra that we have in EMS medicine, right patient to the right place at the right time. And when it comes to stroke center designations, acute stroke ready, primary thrombectomy capable to comprehensive, it really gives me as an EMS medical director setting pre-hospital care protocols, a true sense of what the capabilities are of the hospitals in my system. And so I can construct protocols to an education for my EMS providers based on what I know is going to be able to be offered at the receiving hospital when it comes to the suspected acute stroke patient. So this has led into other legislations you say. So in addition to just screening for stroke that then would prompt uh, our EMS practitioners to transport the patient to a stroke center, we've seen the rise of severe stroke screening as well that theoretically would screen for large vessel occlusion stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke. Now of course there are limitations to all of this and it it really emphasizes the importance of a network of stroke care. But that legislation that helps direct some of our work in that space um, is all predicated on an external certifying agency letting us know what the protocols are in place, the quality improvement metrics are, are recorded at our receiving hospitals and gives me as an EMS medical director a sense of what's happening to my patients after they're in the back of the ambulance.
1: I think one question that I have to all of this then is, what's the point of having the three different levels? Why not just take all the patients to the highest level, the comprehensive stroke center? And and maybe we can a- end on that question for each of you. If I can kick it back to Charlie first and then, and then finish with Chris, why not just take everybody to a comprehensive stroke center? Um, obviously more luxurious if there are several in a city, but if there's a city that just has one, why not funnel them all down to the the center that has all the tools and techniques to take care of those patients?
2: Yeah, no, it's an excellent question. And I think you're really getting to the point, which is that geography matters. You know, there's been some very interesting analyses um, of, you know, regional and national demographics of patients versus stroke centers. And it shows that, you know, a good portion of our country lives greater than 45 and 60 minutes from a comprehensive stroke center. And we're thinking about time to reperfusion that time matters. I think the future is, looking at how we coordinate care to minimize door-in, door-out time, and use our acute stroke-ready hospitals as a pit stop, get diagnostics, treatment started, and then rapidly deploy further transfer. That may be the EMS crew that brought them there. That may be a helicopter or another transport crew, but that's where we're headed, I think. How do we minimize the amount of time someone spends in the ER to get them to the right place at the right time, as Dr. Richard said?
1: How about you, Chris? Why not just take them to the Comprehensive Stroke Center and minimize some of that ping-ponging that Charlie just uh, referenced?
0: Well, I think it's important to to recognize that primary stroke centers can do a lot for a lot of ischemic stroke patients, and sometimes that actually would, is the preferred place, um, not only for the patients but also for the overall stroke system of care and the in the and the hospitals themselves. You know, for a for a routine stroke, and no stroke is routine if, if you're affected by it, but for ischemic strokes that have a low to moderate NHL scale that, it got, that have gotten TPA, that are not going for a surgical procedure, that maybe don't need neuro ICU level of care for a week, the primary stroke center really is the best place for that. It's best for the patients, they're closer to their families oftentimes at the primary stroke center. And lastly, the comprehensive stroke centers, they only have a certain number of beds. So if they are taking um, transfer after transfer for patients who have received TPA that could otherwise be treated at a primary stroke center, that really does kind of gum up the works a little bit when you're trying to get that patient with a large vessel occlusion to that highest level of care.
1: I couldn't agree more. In addition, I I think that what we often see when some of the the more citywide and local community centers become primary stroke centers, it's also better for the patient in that that's where they get their care. Um, That's where all their other physicians and consultants are. And the better integrated care happens even outside of that single diagnosis of stroke. And so I, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, we are out of time today. I, I really appreciate this discussion. Obviously, we could we could have a, a far more in-depth conversation about the different Stroke Center designations. It's, uh, it's certainly new to, to our world, having been around several years. Um, I appreciate you joining me today to talk about them, uh, Charlie and Chris. And uh, this is Bill Knight from the University of Cincinnati signing off on behalf of the National Stroke Education Center. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening today. This Stroke Journey podcast is a collaboration between the National Stroke Education Center, MCraig International, and MedEd On The Go. For more comprehensive, high-quality educational resources for healthcare professionals, please visit strokejourney.com.